I burnt my life to the ground before I was in a position that I thought I could reach out for help. So hopefully with this platform, you know, maybe, maybe some people can reach out without, without having to get that far down. Is there anyone out there? From Darkness to Life contains the real stories of courageous individuals who found their way out of the darkness caused by mental health challenges and substance abuse. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Please reach out when you're ready to ourcollectivejourney.ca or on Facebook at Our Collective Journey. All right, we're off to a great, sh- we're off to a great start. Okay, I'm podcasting from the heart of Plugged In Podcast Network. Is that better? Gas City, Medicine Hat, Alberta, Badland County. Because whenever you can say Badland, you should. It's a lot of fun. Uh, my name is Poncho, and I'm surrounded by a lot of tattooed uh, hairy men, and I'm going to explain why that is here in a few minutes because I want to talk about our collective journey and I want to talk about mental health and mental illness and that's why you're here and we're going to talk uh, stigmas and stereotypes and at the end of this episode uh, hopefully we can all walk away with a little bit more uh, knowledge for all of us and for all of you. What I want to do first is I'm going to introduce you all of your names and then Rick we're going to hear from you first okay. So we got Ryan Oscar to my right. I'm pointing. You can't see it, but it, it helps me. So Ryan Oscar, uh, Damian Davis, and Rick Armstrong. So far, so good? You're winning. Hey. I, think, I think we won when we all counted to 10 already. Yes. <laughs> Give ourselves a big check for that one. Rick, so you're a huge part of our collective journey. Uh, tell us, I guess, what you did, what you're doing now, and maybe a, a very brief overview of, of how our collective journey came to be cool uh <clears throat> we uh we came together uh, my friend damien davis and i we came together um in the when would it have been september early september i think um of what of 20, 2019 so last no, so no, like this year this year yeah. so you've only known each other for oh a shit few no we've known each other for years four years four years We've, we've known each other for four years, but uh, on this particular venture, this our collective journey, like where are we starting here? Like, This is a great place to start. Life, life story? Or, yeah. Or? Yeah. Well, you keep talking until you don't <laughs> want to talk anymore. Oh, boy. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> we don't got enough time. Um, yeah. So I met Damien four years ago. Uh, he was a big part of, of my... Uh, when, I, when I met Damien, I was in pretty rough shape. I was uh, a full-blown addict and alcoholic and... Uh, really suicidal at that point um i i was i was convinced the world was better off without me and and, and that's when you ran into damien yes and uh i met damien at one of my first uh 12-step meetings and he was one of the first guys that ever kind of impacted me in a way that i figured i could turn this wreckage that i called life into a positive for anybody including myself did you feel connected the moment you met him the moment you spent time with him? Yeah, well, I was a little intimidated by him, um, which is weird. I'm not one to get intimidated by too many people. Um, I don't know what it was. It was something that drew me to him for sure. Uh, he's a powerful guy. He's got a powerful message. And uh, when he speaks, people tend to listen, including me. So you both got a lot of shit going on in your world as individuals. And so right there, there's a huge bond. And so, so the two of you started talking about how maybe you wish there was an opportunity for you to share your story and Damien to share his story and others? Uh, I think that that whole thing, you know, that was September of this year. I think really. We, uh, Damien and I have worked a lot together. Uh, we volunteered a lot. We've, we've been very involved in uh, the recovery scene here in Medicine Hat for as long as I've known him really. Um, but this, this thing that we're doing here kind of took it on its own life early September, I think. We're going to pause it right there. And then we're going to go two over. We'll come back to you. Unless you want to, I, re- I want to talk about how much mustache wax you. That's impressive. <laughs> it is. It's a, a substantial amount to get it. Yeah, yes. yes yeah. Uh, so, and then we're going to flip over to Ryan. All you guys have uh, facial hair. Absolutely. How long was the beard? Do you ever have the oh, ZZ this, Top? No, no. Never had the ZZ Top beard. Rick and I shared a story earlier today that... Uh, We'll get into it some episode, but that's probably why I'll never run the ZZ Top beard. <laughs> it's still impressive. So you grew it this morning? Like it's already yeah. three inches long. Yeah. Yeah. It started uh, 
right around the time our collective journey started. <laughs> Ryan Oscar, what do you do now? I am actually employed with Canadian Mental Health, and I'm an addictions crisis worker with them, which, uh, you know, we have a collaboration with the police service here in town, and, you know, it's, it's working. It's working. What did you do before? Uh, I was in the oil and gas industry, to be honest, and I have a story. That's what's kind of drawn us all together is I have a story that is quite similar to the other two guys, right? I worked construction my whole life. I worked in the oil and gas industry from the time I quit playing any kind of competitive hockey, and I went into the oil and gas and just worked my way up the ladder from there and chased that, chased that dream and that money. So, and I, and I know Rick <clears throat> worked a similar kind of lifestyle for a while, so we're already starting to see a, a common denominator here. So how do you go from that to doing what you're doing now? Well, what was the inspiration? <laughs> or what was the, what was the low point? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and you'll see the longer we sit here and talk that we all kind of share that same low point. And for me, it was alcoholism my entire life, just not really recognizing what that was. Um, some traumatic events in my past, you know, the passing of my father and, and a vehicle accident where he died. And, um, I came up on the scene and being the man that I was, I went back to work a week later. I right? didn't deal with that properly. Now that I look back. Um, found hard drugs after that. And that was just another way to cope and escape from all that shit that I'd been going through. And uh, that led me right to rock bottom. You know, I didn't think I had a problem until I had a problem and couldn't quit and uh, sure couldn't reach out and ask for help because that's not what a man would do, right? In my opinion at that time, that's how I'd been brought up and there was no way I was reaching out. So that just led to a couple suicide attempts, a couple relapses and uh, decided when I was in treatment that it's either suicide when I leave here or I really got to you know, take this serious and figure out a different way of life. And that's how I ran into uh, the 12 step programs and, and dove into that. And that's brought me to where I am today, which is, you know, almost six years ago. And there's no way I could have dreamt in my wildest dreams. I'd be here. Today. So you didn't have a, well, you had a choice. You either don't live or you live. Yep. Yep. Pretty much. And, and back up three weeks before I realized I had that choice at that point in my life, I had no choice. I thought, you know, it's suicide. I am taking my life and it's going to be you know, the best decision for everybody involved with me because I'll be out of their hair. The chaos is gone. And how close did you come? Oh, what did you do? I, uh, to be honest, I, I went on about a four and a half day run and stole the company truck, cleaned out a, my bank account and uh, ended up after those four days in a farmer's field in a, in my half ton in the middle of a, a snowstorm in February for 14 hours with enough cocaine and vodka and prescription drugs to do the deed. I thought anyway, and at the end of that fell asleep and thought that was it. And I'm looking out of the corner of my eyes at uh, Damien and Rick and, and neither one of them are looking surprised because yeah. they've, they've lived it as well. Absolutely. So that was it. You're dead. You're done for. You're in a field, obviously not the case. So yeah. you wake up and, and is that when the light came on? Well, that's another whole different story, but you know what? It's, I believe firmly that it was an act of God that I was not taken that night because, um, this is two and a half hours north of my hometown in the middle of a farmer's field in a coulee. And my uncle found me there. How long ago was this? This was, uh, this February of 2015. So five years ago. Okay. How did you come to meet these guys? How did you come to meet Damien and Rick? Well, I moved to Medicine Hat and, uh, you know, I was taught early in this program of recovery that people, places, and things, they're things that you really have to work on changing if you want your life to change. So I took that to heart and, uh, tra you know, transplanted myself here to Medicine Hat and I ran into these guys off and on in the recovery community. And, uh, you know, we, we were aware of each other, but I didn't really know them. You know, they are in a different, the sister program is Narcotics Anonymous. That's what I'm in. They're in, they uh, work the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Same kind of concepts, just, you know, different programs for different people. And sure. So I ran into them a few times in, in my travels and just kind of knew who they were and what they were about. But I noticed that their recovery is working for them. So, you know, if it's NA, AA, CA, whatever you're in, if you're working that program, and you're working it to the best of your ability and it's working, who am I to say you're in the wrong program? Well, and it all falls under the big umbrella of mental health and, and mental illness. And that's Absolutely. another why, where, why uh, we're all here. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, Damien Davis. <laughs> yeah. Number one, I'd just like to thank you guys for, for taking the time to do this with us tonight. And uh, yeah, a little bit about my story. Um, I was seeing a psychiatrist in the sixth grade uh, because I wanted to to hurt myself, to harm myself, uh, well before I had my first drink, um, led a life fairly similar to these guys, you know, um, highly successful athlete, straight A student, you know, uh, partied on the weekends, didn't party any differently than anybody else that, uh, I grew up around in Brooks, Alberta. So on paper, you were living the perfect life. 
Yeah, from the outside, you know. Sure. Uh, the old adage, you know, um, don't let them see behind the curtain type thing because behind the curtain, you know, for a long time, I, I was afraid. I felt worthless. I felt, you know, that I was different and didn't belong. Um, yet I had you know, a, a, a trove of friends and, uh, friends and people that liked me and, um, you know, was always somebody that, uh, brought the life to the party or was just, you know, a good person I thought. Right. But I had this deep, dark secret for a long, long time. Did you know it then? Um, like even in the back of your head, did, did you send something and you're like, fuck it, you know, and if I don't worry about it, it's going to go away. Kind of, yeah. I, I knew from when I first started drinking in the seventh grade that I didn't do it like everybody else did it. Um, you know, there was, I was always the last one at the party. I was always the last one, you know, to leave. But I wore it as a badge of honor. You know, I could still have straight A's. I was still a, uh, you know, uh, an all-star athlete. I still had girlfriends. I still, all, I still had things in my life. So, you know, I can drink and party hard and, and still have success. Um, that propelled me through high school into college, you know, nothing changed. Um, just the substances that I was doing at that time. Um, so when know, did it fall apart? When, when did it all come to a head? You, 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 you know, there was no definite demarcation line where it was like, this is the moment, but slowly over time, you know, the shame and the blame and the guilt of the chaos that you created or that I created, uh, because of my drinking and my drug use, um, it just slowly started eating away at my, my beingness, my soul. And it just, the, you know, the, the come down or the, the week or the day after I would, you know, stop this emptiness was just inside of me. And the only way that I could fill that empty hole was either through, you know, booze, drugs, or sex. And it stopped working probably around 29, uh, when I first started reaching out to different, uh, government agencies, attempting to get help, seeing counselors, talking to people in ADAC back then. How old are you now? Uh, 42. Okay. So, you know, I, but I knew well before then that, you know, this was, wasn't normal and wasn't a problem, but you know, again, I could justify my success. Uh, how did you meet these guys and, and how did that happen? So I remember the day that I met Rick. Um, I went to a 12-step meeting, and I was I seen him walk in. I'd never seen him before. I uh, seen him sit down. I seen he had you know a shirt with his sleeves pulled up. I could see he had tattoos, and there's just this pain that was inside of him, and it was very relatable because you know two years prior when I was in that exact same room, I was that guy. So you could relate, and and this was your very first meeting. First meeting I ever walked into. And I remember making a conscious choice to take my sweater off so that he could see that I was also tattooed. You guys are all tattooed up, man. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and remind me about that, because I, I want to talk about how that has a lot to do with our collective journey and how that's something that you want to change in terms of, of the stereotype. Yeah. And so, yeah, I... I, I I recognized that, you know, he was somebody that was probably just like me. So I took my sweater off so he could see that I had tattoos. I sat down beside him and we just started talking. And I realized, you know, that this was his first meeting. And um, I had been to a lot of meetings over the, from 30 to 36 when I finally got sober and never heard, you know, the proper message that I could get well and I could get well quickly. But when I finally got it two years prior, you know, it became my responsibility to be that, beacon of hope and be that messenger of what a life of sobriety actually looks like. And I remember just having coffee with Rick and, you know, talking to him about my story so that he could relate and see that he wasn't alone. And unbeknownst to me, you know, uh, he was on his way to go kill himself that day. And just by me being able to talk to another human being that was suffering was able to maybe help him not make that dire choice. Right. It's, it's amazing what, happens when you open a door and, and give somebody, whether you know them or whether you don't, an opportunity to, to share. And that moves us along to our collective journey. And the reason I mentioned why you're all duded up like the tats and the beard, I, some of you are hairier than others, but I mean, I'm convinced that all of you could grow, you know, a substantial amount of fur if you all started at day zero. <laughs> and yeah, it tattooed from, you know, ankles to neck more or less. And so when you think of mental illness and when you think of mental health and the stereotype aren't the big, hardworking, hard partying 
hard farting, hard shooting kind of rock and roll dudes, right? I, I mean, you don't think that when you think mental health, but you've all suffered. You've all gone through the same things, w- whether it's with uh, addictions, which is, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's, you know, pills or booze or drugs or sex. I mean, you know, take your pick. So there's a huge common denominator right there. And there is a huge common denominator that you all knew that there was a stereotype. So, in comes our collective journey as a whole. Where did the idea start? Uh, it started well in in Medicine Hat here. Uh, you know, over the course of the last six months, there's been a substantial increase in in young men taking their own lives, and uh, I think our community is like keenly aware of that. Right? It's uh, been well documented. Everybody's everybody's aware. Right? Mm-hmm. It's ter- it's sure. terrifying. Yeah. It really, really, really is. Medicine Hat's a city of about, what, 65,000 people, more or less, and the amount of suicides among men, young men, as you mentioned, Rick, here in the year 2020, it skyrocketed by, what, four, five, six, seven hundred percent? Yeah. I just got another text, actually, as we walked into the studio today, that there was another young man took his life today. So it's, it's, still, it's, it's still a very live, active problem. Um, so this, this, uh, our collective journey all kind of started really with a conversation like most things do. Right. Um, you know, it, like you said, it is a small town and there isn't really more than a degree, maybe to a separation from any given person in the city. Yeah. And, uh, this, this round of young men taking their lives hit me close. Um, I, I knew, I, I knew all of the gentlemen. I wouldn't say I was friends with them, but I knew, I knew who they were. Uh, we'd crossed paths before, but it was more uh, family connections that it kind of brought me to the table. Um, and without speaking too much for Damien, uh, his wife was uh, good friends with a, a, this whole group of guys, really, um, kind of growing up in, in the city with them. And uh, and for me, you know, I think me and Damien both just kind of recognized that, you know, everybody's so shocked and how can these young men do these things and... and uh, and it was really personal to me because I'm like, you know, that, that was me. That was, I was, I remember waking up one day thinking that that was the last day I was ever going to wake so, up. So sure. when you're, when you're hearing about all of this and, and these tragic stories, did it piss you off? Did it get you so angry? Like you're going enough is enough. And that's why you and Damien started talking. Uh, it, it was more of an awareness issue, I think for us. Um, it, you know, I, I know for, for me, um, and and from the people that I've talked to in the conversations that we've started, n- almost every single time that, you know, one of these people is in this dark place that they feel they have no other option but to take their lives, it's an overwhelming sense of I'm alone. Mm-hmm. So that's what brought the three of you together. Effectively. Yeah. And then you started hanging out and you started, did this idea of our collective journey, did it come about n- naturally or was it something that, I think, you know, when me and Rick were talking and, and decided that, you know, action needed to be, ta- needed to be taken, um, we just kind of, I say it often, but we got off the bench and we just started reaching out to community leaders and, and asking what we could do. Um, because being, you know, a recovered alcoholic and addict, it's all about action. So, you know, I don't just sit in a 12 step room and, and hope to get and stay sober. I get and stay sober by helping people and sharing my story and sharing my message and we started talking to people. Um, we went to the suicide prevention, World Suicide Prevention Day. I think it was September 10th. And, you know, I'd seen a mental health, Canadian mental health booth there, went and talked to the ladies there and said, what do you guys need from, you know, a private citizen that just wants to help? They put us in contact with Ryan. Okay, so that's where you came into play. Yeah. Now, at this point, our collective journey hasn't officially taken off yet. Oh, it's, it's, just, it's just it's just thoughts, very loose thoughts at, at this part of the game. Three guys talking, trying to okay. see what we could do to make a better world. And yeah, and, and in that talking, I think our primary focus was like, we were looking at men that were relatively the same age that we were probably going through the same things that we were, you know, highly successful um, with families, with, you know, stuff that everything outside the curtain looks good, but behind the curtain it might not. And then very quickly we started to realize that this mental health, this addictions piece doesn't just uh, uh, cherry pick 
36 year old men <laughs> out of the out of the pile it's there's women you know it doesn't matter your socioeconomic status doesn't matter your sexual orientation um doesn't matter at all no mental illness doesn't discriminate zero right and so we we kind of just decided we need to do something for everybody and how do we do that and just through talking to different community leaders we realized very quickly that the educational piece on what mental health looks like and what addiction actually is wasn't really there um, a lot of the things that we heard like you know it's a choice you know they just don't do as much don't do it as often and then being able to share with them what our disease of alcoholism or addiction is really opened their eyes and then we started talking like well maybe this message needs to get out to the masses because if these community leaders who are in positions of power don't know probably more people don't and and that's how this all kind of came to be so they put you into contact with you right <clears throat> so then what happens absolutely i i distinctly remember sitting at the table that day i meant to, i went to meet these gentlemen at a coffee table to have a coffee fully thinking you know i don't know what this is going to lead into and i don't know where it's going to go but i'm open to this conversation and once I sat and talked to these guys and heard what their vision was, where their hearts were, you know, I was all in that, that half hour scheduled coffee turned into three and a half hours. And we sat there. And by the end of that, we thought, you know, it's time to get off the bench. These guys kind of coined that phrase. And, and it's one of those things that I run with now because getting off the bench is, is a hard thing to do. It's easy to sit on the bench. It's easy to sit back and say, oh, I wish this was different or I wish these agencies were doing something else. But to get off the bench and actually take that action move was, was, probably the scariest slash most beneficial thing I've ever done to get connected to these guys. And that conversation just continued on from one meeting to the next to the next until, you know, we started forming this idea. We're, we're getting very close that we can actually start <clears throat> speaking about what our collective journey is and the purpose behind it. At, at, at this point, we don't have a name. We don't have an idea for a Facebook page yet. Do we know how we're going to help people? Because the idea is, is, is forming at this point. How long ago is this, by the way? Oh, we're looking at, we're going on, what, six weeks now we've been since yeah, that coffee we're, table? We're about three weeks into our six-week existence for the story. And you know what's really interesting is, is that I've known you for a few years, but I, I met you a, a couple of weeks ago, and we haven't spent a lot of time together, but you can tell that there's, call it what you will, a chemistry there's there's a huge amount of truth in this room in in honesty and you've left all of your shit all of your mm -hmm. baggage at the door and you can feel it you can feel that energy you can you're not smiling but you're still all smiling i mean yeah. i can sense it you know and i think that's one of the great things that comes out of our collective journey at least in my limited experience yeah working uh, with you gentlemen absolutely and, and we've talked about this numerous times that you know the part that really fuels this is it's not ego driven it's not you know look at what we're doing type thing right we com we're completely comfortable if this was an anonymous anonymous thing this is driven by you know we are helping somebody else and that is what fuels us and that's what keeps us sober and clean today and keeps us in recovery is by carrying that message and helping the next person that's struggling because somebody was there to help us when we got out of our dark spot and it's just a way of you know continuing that forward and then ultimately our collective journey is launched on facebook how do you find it let's let's promote that uh yeah it's on facebook uh, just under a group our collective journey um we started that i don't i don't know what third week of october i think um and that was the result of we kind of held a impromptu community roundtable session we invited a bunch of community leaders and people involved in different agencies and programs and just people with some lived life experience uh to a a meeting i guess we rented a banquet room in a hotel and, and just kind of opened up the conversation to you know we all know what this community is dealing with we all know what we're dealing with as a population right and uh what what's missing what can we do how can we help um it was a whole bunch of spitballing ideas really uh you know with different agencies kind of putting forward to get uh you know their their issues their agendas and 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 the hurdles that they'd faced and how how can we as three three guys standing at the front of the room how can we help really what what can we do how can we fill those gaps how can we get your story out? And that's kind of what brought this, this all together was uh, basically giving people a platform to tell their story in the hopes that somebody, anybody, everybody can find a piece of their own story in somebody else's just to really powerfully tell people 
one, it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. And two, you're not alone. You're not the first person to feel this way. And that there is support through people with lived experience. So would you say that was the main reason, the main purpose of, of why our collective journey was put forth to access everybody else that were dealing with mental illness? Yeah, I think, you know, going back to the story of how Rick and I met, just me sharing a moment with Rick and sharing my experience in life with him and him realizing that he wasn't alone and that we're very similar kind of opened that door of, of we need to share our stories as you know, successful, uh, career driven men who have families who have, you know, like, again, on the outside, everything looks good, but on the inside life is just dire and, and hopeless. And it doesn't addiction and mental health doesn't look like what the perception to most people it is, you know, downtown, uh, under Findlay bridge, uh, homeless and destitute. It can be the, the mother of five that's at home, um, by herself, you know, day drinking and popping pills. It can be, you know, the, the church going grandma that, uh, uh, is smoking weed or whatever it looks like for you. We want to empower people to just be okay with sharing their story so that they can lend voice to those that quite aren't there yet. Right. So, that kind of became our narrative. How do we change the conversation, educate people on what addiction and mental health looks like um, so that their perception that they may have uh, can get reframed and then take it to a self-awareness piece because a lot of, there's a lot of a programming out there right now for how do, we, how do I tell if you're not doing well? Well, at the end of the day, how do I tell if I'm not doing good? And that's what our collective journey is about in part that you can reach out to anybody that's on there because you know you're going to be accepted you know you're not going to be judged regardless of what your issues are and that alone i think builds self-esteem and when you can build self-esteem you can break down the destructive stereotypes that are associated with mental illness and there's more than 200 forms of mental illness and to think that the stigma has been around for decades and only now are we starting to talk about it, but better late than never. The reaction so far on our collective journey. It's been insane. The, um, <laughs> like, maybe that's the wrong use of words when we're talking about mental health. Um, you but, are awesome. <laughs> I got that now. That's right. awesome. Uh, I was looking at my notes and I'm like, hey, I think he just, what did he? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's been, the, the support has been overwhelming. Um, the stories that have come out, like, you know, we've, we've asked people, uh, we've asked people through our personal networks and, and, and online as well, um, if they're comfortable to, to tell, tell us their stories so that we can share it with other people. Um, and it, the, I guess for me, like the, the, the power for, for the whole message for, for me comes, I was so consumed by guilt and shame that it almost, led me to a place to take my own life. And it was through my experiences that brought me so much guilt and shame. It was, I shifted into this spot that if, if, if I could get power from my story and use it for good, it would, it, it, all that guilt and shame went away and everything that needed to happen exactly how it happened to get me to a point that maybe my story can be the inspiration of somebody else. And, and, uh, now that we've kind of opened the floor up, it's been, it's been amazing. The, the people that are open and willing to share their story and the different experiences that are, they're bringing to the table. Cause like you kind of talked about with the tattoos and shit, right? Like we fit a certain demographic, like fuck, we could be brothers, right? I mean, we've all got, <laughs> we all look the same. So we recognize really early, like, you know, whether it's mental health, whether it's abuse, whether, you know, all of these things that people are affected by that they so typically feel alone. We don't necessarily fit all of those demographics. We're, we're a pretty specific group of guys. And so we kind of realized really early, we need to open this up mm -hmm. to, to other people that represent other things so that there's someone for everybody to match up with. It's almost like a peer support group. To right? let you know that you're not alone. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, what did it feel when you shared your story? This is, this is a question to all of you. I mean, was it like a huge... <laughs> Huh. Like once you put it out there, would, whether you knew people you knew were reading it or whether you people that you didn't know were reading it, I bet it, I bet it was a combination of fear and relief at the same time. At least that's how it was for me when I, you know, absolutely came to the table. 
Yeah, I know, like, I can't speak for Damien and Rick here, but the three of us, you know, have had the opportunity to share our stories numerous times over the last four, five, six years, right? Um, so it's not something new to us. Putting our stories out there, they've been in the newspaper, they've been on, you know, I did a bike trip across Canada one time, so it's been in the news quite a bit, my re- recovery story. And for me starting out, that was probably the most beneficial piece to my, that is what kickstarted my recovery is ripping that bandaid off and sharing my story. And that's like what Rick talked about. That's when my story became a piece of power I can use to help people. Hang on to the bandaid here. Let's back up to the bike trip. Yeah. We talking like a motorbike or are we talking a bicycle? No, we're talking. Yeah. We're, I, today I wish it was a motorcycle. But, but it, was yeah. a, it was a bicycle? Yeah. We're talking a bicycle. Three months out of treatment. Um, yeah. A friend of mine had a, a wild idea that she wanted to ride her bike across Canada to, you know, for, for our recovery, do you, it to were, get out of society and, and, you know, work on our recovery. Were you a cyclist at the time? Oh, absolutely not. No, I rode my bike. <laughs> you know what? To be honest, I had a mountain bike and I usually rode it the morning after to go pick up my truck from behind the bar. Fucking big wheels, man. <laughs> big wheels with the, yeah, absolutely, the handle right? on the side. Yeah, yeah. Now, did you know this? How did you know this woman? Met her in treatment. She was a peer support worker in treatment. She was three months and I won't go into her story because we're firm believers in people's stories are theirs to tell, but she was a peer support worker. She told me she was planning this trip. She was six months in recovery. And I thought you must be still using because who bikes across Canada, right? You do. Yeah. Well, fast forward, you know, three months we took off, we did this bike trip across Canada and that's kind of what fueled me to, to get involved with this. And we've used a lot of that, you know, concepts of, of the programs, like attraction rather than promotion. And that worked for the bike trip, right? We didn't tell anybody we were doing this bike trip uh, other than a few family members. And by the time we reached Halifax, there was 800 people following us and we'd raised $21,000 for a private Holy treatment center. Shit. Yeah. And that was without pushing anything. That was just, it was, it's going to go where it's going to go. And that probably wasn't even your end goal. You'd, no. you, you just wanted to raise a little bit of awareness and, and clear the head, I bet I, too. Yeah. I was actually just looking to lose 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Uh, well, I would have lost 40 <laughs> if I didn't stop at all those fry nice. trucks in Ontario. <laughs> Damn food trucks. They'll get you every Absolutely, time. Absolutely, man. You have beaver tails? Did you stop on oh, the Rideau Canal in Ottawa? We stopped everywhere and we stopped for uh, poutine in Quebec. And because I couldn't read French, I ended up ordering duck poutine that was done in some kind of wine sauce. I'm four months out of treatment and I smell the booze in the wine sauce and I didn't get to eat the Quebec poutine. <laughs> Uh, booze or not, no, it just really doesn't sound that good. I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I wish I, I wish I would have stayed in a French Red class in junior yeah. poutine. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, Opting out of French class in grade eight wasn't a great idea. I guess. <laughs> um, Damien, when you shared your story, how did it feel? You know what? I, I'll I'll tell you a quick story about the first time I ever shared with a group of strangers my story and and the impact that it had. I was at a personal development sen- seminar. I was 41 days sober and I was, I was still had mental health issues. I wasn't drinking, but there was some craziness going on in my mind. A girl that I knew had, you know, who's seen me bigger than I ever saw myself invited me to the seminar and the Friday of the seminar, everybody was just there to like make a million dollars to make more money. And I was literally like on the inside dying. Um, that night when we left the seminar was, you know, the closest I ever came to taking my life. Um, I had to cross McLeod Trail in Calgary and I had full intentions on stepping in front of a bus that was coming down the road and something stopped me. Right. And the next morning, um, I was able to share with a group of, you know, 150 people where I was actually at in life with the most honesty that I had ever, you know, had in sharing my story. And it instantly shifted that seminar from all about financial success to six other people in that room had also been thinking about taking their own lives. I'm, I want to stop you right there. I want to back up. Okay. Let's, let's back up when you decide that you want to kill yourself. Yeah. So you literally have decided that you're going to step out in front of a bus. Now, when you're thinking this, are, are you drunk? Are you high? No, are you- it's 41 days sober. I had, I was working the 12 step program. Um, but the, this, this, disease that I have is a thinking disease and it wants me dead, but it'll settle for me drunk. And I was just so overwhelmed by wanting to have somebody be there. I wanted to be better. I was tired of hurting. I was tired of all these things. And there was, you know, it was just a, a not even a conscious choice. It was just like, I need to end this because the, the pain was so immense and so overwhelming. And 
something like literally it's hard to explain, but just physically stopped me from doing what I wanted to do. And I know now that it was so that I could share my story the next day. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, and literally I, not many people can pinpoint a day in their life when everything shifted 180. And that day was February 2nd, 2015. And everything shifted because for the first time in my life, I realized all of the trauma, the pain, the suffering that I went to, to get to that moment to share with other people was for a reason that all of it wasn't in vain, that there was a definite meaning for all of it. So that those other six people that were in that room that day could be okay with being them. So I lent voice to them at that moment. And that's when my story didn't weigh me down anymore. That's when it became my power and my vulnerability of being open and honest allowed me to get busy in helping people. Um, I'm in that a 12 step program like these guys and, and my number one thing is to stay sober and to stay sober, sober. I have to help other people. And my story is, I don't want to say it's neutral, um, now, but it's, I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of what I've gone through to get to this point. I'm no longer ashamed of being an alcoholic and a drug addict. I'm very grateful um, for the life I've had because I get to sit here today without putting a mask on. I just get to be me. And that's a pretty special thing for, for somebody that wore masks for every scenario his entire life, right? Our collective journey so is that what people can use it for to share stories like you have and what like you have and and what you have yeah oh absolutely and that's you know it's starting to grow into it started out as an organic type idea we had right and we've come to the conclusion that this thing is going to go where it's going to go you know we have a vision of what we want to do and that is giving people a platform to share their story um, of how they got out of their personal darkness, like Rick said earlier, whatever that darkness is, somebody has a story out there and somebody else is suffering in silence at home. And by hearing or reading that story gives them permission, hopefully to reach out, you know, from the comfort of their couch or wherever they are suffering this, you know, this dreaded darkness that we've all been in that spot. Um, with the, you know, the, the prerequisite for people sharing that story on Facebook anonymously is that when somebody rings that bell, because they've resonated with your story, you have to get up and get off the bench. And, you know, it's up to you to reach out to that person. And if we have to support that, we're great with that. But it's all about empowering the next person to be the leader in their cause, whatever their darkness was and how they got out of it, share that story and give someone else a little bit of hope. And it's not easy to do. It's not. I I mean, if conquering, if managing mental illness was easy, hell man, we'd, we'd all be, I'd be out of a job. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, we wouldn't be here right now. Something else I've noticed as you're sharing little bits of your stories. And as we proceed ahead with more podcasts, I'm really interesting to hear the details of, of the highs and the lows, but something I've all realized is that you've all decided that you don't want to be victims anymore. Yeah, I guarantee there ain't a victim card in this room, man. But I I bet at one point there was. Oh, fuck. That's all I was. Consumed by guilt, fear, shame. I was a victim of circumstance my entire life. And that's a big reason, I think, of why we turned to the vices that we wanted to turn to. And and you're going around. And for the longest time, you're like, hey, fuck, look at all the shit that I'm I'm going through. Doesn't anybody want to help me? If you'd been through what I'd been through, you'd be fucked up too. Right? (laughs) You know, but you've decided to do something good with it. And by doing something good with it, you really need to check out the Our Collective Journey Facebook page and to see the snowball effect that it's had on giving people with any kind of mental illness an opportunity to speak about that. And and I'm no expert. I have mental illness, as we all do. So I think we can relate in that respect. Personally, the biggest step was to admit it, was to, was to put it out there was to put it on paper. And the moment you do that, um, a, a lot of darkness disappears. You find a lot of strength. You find a lot of courage. You know, and you guys are at a point now where you want to empower others. You're not looking to give those suffering a, a handout. You know, we've said this before. You want to give them a, a hand up. And, yeah. and I think there's... A big difference, you know, you want to empower these people and go, look, we understand, we empathize. Here's some tools. Here's the power. We want you to turn around and do the same. Remember that old uh, 
television shampoo commercial. They told two people, and they told two people, and so on, and so on, and so on. Kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah, I made the joke that this is like a a fucked up uh, pyramid Ponzi scheme, but for good. (laughs) D15, man. Yeah. (laughs) And and you know what it is? I think uh, growing up in Southern Alberta, I I don't think it really matters where you grew up, but growing up a man of... uh, a man's man. That was my father, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, I always used to equate vulnerability with weakness. And if I was weak, I was sure. worthless, right? And so in all of my dealings in life, you know, I had to be an alpha. I had to, you know, overpower you and do these things and not let you behind that proverbial curtain. But what I found that day, February 2nd, 2015, was that my vulnerability was my strength. And because I was vulnerable, I was worthy. And that's how I've, it's propelled me forward. Uh, you know, if you you hang around me long enough, you're going to see me cry because I'm very grateful for what I went through because it's allowed me to create the life of my dreams today, right? Where I can get down on the floor and just cry with my sons and be with, you know, I get to be a father mm-hmm. today because of everything I went through. When I walked into that 12-step program for the last time, you know, I wasn't in there to stop drinking. I was in there to not put a bullet in my brain like Rick was, was you know? And because somebody showed me how to be vulnerable and loved me more than I love myself, today I get to show two more people and show two more people, you know? You said something, and it's really fucked up when you talk about the stigma, the stereotype, specifically men and mental illness, that typical, this is what it means to be a man bullshit. You bottle up all of your emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you tough it out, you don't talk about anything, and that was the standard of what makes a man a man. And you know what? You, it couldn't be... What a load of shit. It, it, that's not what makes a, a man at all. Absolutely. It, it's about being vulnerable when you said it. It's about talking. It's, a, it's about crying. It really, really is. That just, takes courage. Just being real. Like, just cut the bullshit, cut the act, and be real. Like... You know, I, I look back on all the relationships I had when I was, you know, before I got into this program and just how artificial and fake and full of just bullshit. Every relationship, I shouldn't say every, but I mean, primarily it was all based on, you know, puffing out my chest and, and mm-hmm. me being something that I wasn't and people, other people being something they weren't. And just, you know, it was just filler bullshit and like. I look at the conversations that I can have with these guys in this room and the people in my life now. And like, it's a real conversation about real shit. Like, I mean, fuck, we've gone out for lunch. It's just the conversations I've had with you. Right. I mean, I've known you for, well, shit. How long you been in the city now? Like, yeah. 10 years. Something 10 like years. We've had lunch at Mexican hat now, like three times <laughs> and three, they were closed the last time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you picked up the tab at DQ though, man. Thanks. <laughs> I Pre- pre- appreciate that. <laughs> Big spender. Yeah. Should have got the fucking onion rings. <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, it, it, there's so much bullshit always. And it's, it's remarkable to, uh, to see how everything can shift. And, and I guess, you know, going backwards a little bit into what you were talking about um, with the power of us sharing our message. Like, I think it's almost, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or it's a bad thing, but you know, through the programs that we, we we participate in, we, we do that so regularly with, it loses, you know, for me, it's a little, it loses a little bit of the shock value, I guess, when I tell it. And, mm-hmm. and when we had that community round table, you know, it wasn't, there were, I didn't really get a feeling for me personally when I shared my story, but that was um, like where I got filled up with was watching it go around the room and it was like a domino, right? Like, the three of us stood up there and we spilled our guts and it took a little bit and it took a little bit and some prodding. And then somebody else stood up and said something and then somebody else. And then it was like a waterfall, man, of people that I can't say for sure, but it seemed like they'd never really shared that at least in that kind of forum. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was powerful in that room that day. And I want to reaffirm the three of you sharing your stories. The last thing it's about is what was me. You're sharing your stories going, Hey, look, you are not alone. Oh, We've been there. We're, th- we're there, you know, cause you never, there's, there's no cure for mental illness. No, you know, you manage it and it's something that you have to manage every single day. And I think that's another means of what our collective journey can do for you. Yeah. I think it's, there's great power in, in being of service to others. You know, where when I'm, talking to somebody who's suffering and is hopeless, 
I'm not thinking about the things that are going on in my life that are causing me issue. And I think that's organically what this is turning into is empowering other leaders that are in our community or in their lives to, uh, to be okay with just sharing their story, whatever that is, it doesn't have to be, you know, the addictions piece or mm-hmm. any, any trauma in your life. But if you just, you know, sometimes don't feel worthy and you're a highly successful person, share that. Cause there'll be other people there that'll resonate with what you, what you're going through. I think now we live in such siloed worlds because of social media, COVID, whatever it is that that human connection piece with each other isn't always there. Yeah. And our, our goal or our, my dream is to have people that just communicate. When you go to the coffee shop and you ask the person that's giving you your coffee, how are you doing? You actually mean it. And then they are comfortable giving you an honest response. Answer. Know? Yeah. Answer honestly. And yeah. I always talk to, I mean, I'll go to the grocery store and paying for my shit at, at, at the till. And if the cashier asks me how I am, if I'm pissed off, I tell them I'm having a bad fucking day. I think thanks for, and you know what? Chances are they're going to be surprised, but Jesus, <laughs> right there at, at the bare minimum, it's it's an honest conversation, and, and that's it. It's a, it's a two piece thing. Instead of just having that social courtesy interaction, if you're truly coming from a place of care for another human being, and they give you that response, there's a reason the universe put you in that grocery line so that you could be there to say, "Tell me about it," and then you can be there as support. And when you're listening to them unload on what's going on in their life. Are you worried about the stuff that's going on in yours? Not at all. And that's the power of human connection. That's the power of the super consciousness. We're all connected in some matter. We're in this room for a reason today. This is, you know, I don't want to sound holier than hell, but this was preordained. This was supposed to happen. All the shit I went through in life, all the shit Ryan went through, all the shit Rick went through, brought us together today to be a catalyst for change, you know, to invite people along to be leaders of self because we're all leaders uh, if we like it or not, which way are we leading people? You yeah. know, I led people the wrong way for a long, long, long time. Oh, sure. And now I get to lead people the right way. And I'm just inviting people along. Be you, share your story. You matter. And that's what our collective journey is all about. You are encouraging everybody, everybody, regardless of what issues you're going through, to share your story. Yeah, I think a big part of it is if, if you know, if, if you're... I, I encourage everybody to take a look at what we're doing, right? Check out our collective journey on Facebook. And uh, if you don't find a story on there that you can resonate with, that should be a good indicator that you should probably tell yours. Because you're not alone. Because you're not Absolutely. alone. Right? Hey, and there's no membership fee either. No, <laughs> shit. We haven't, we haven't charged anybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's not like Columbia House. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm wanting you. Pennies up front. Yes, exactly. Well, well, and I think the other important piece is, you know, we have... There's so many pieces to this now, and we have so many ideas and so many directions we want to go. But the focus we we always come back to is, you know, the, the boots on the ground piece. When somebody reaches out on that Facebook page, and they've, what are we at, like 12 or 13 people now in the last 10 days. I mean, when they reach out, the biggest thing for us is to give them that support. Like, we are actually coming to see you and see what you're you know, what your struggle is. We're going to listen to you. We're going to sit there. We're not going to just answer you on Facebook and then hope that, you know, that's the cure for this. There's going to be no cure. It's going to take a lot of work. But how many times, like, these guys have taken coffee to an individual's house and actually met with them. And, you know, people are shocked that we'll show up and we'll listen. We're not going to, we're the first people to say that, you know, this isn't getting fixed today. We, and, and it's going to be a very long process. But what can we do for you today? And, and leave them with some kind of tangible thing that we're going to accomplish for them today, whether that's some food bank stuff, whether that's, you know, trying to connect them to, a physician somewhere or something. We're going to actually do something and it's been done all week long. Like we've been doing this. And, and if it's not us because of the demographic yeah. piece that Rick was talking about, there's women that are, you know, on deck who want to come and help that may have. We're recruiting. Yeah. May have similar, <laughs> yeah. you know, uh, experience to what you're dealing with and we'll support them in whatever manner they need to help you. Right. And, you know, we want to just build, for lack of a better term, you know, an army of people that are willing to just be there for another human being. Cause at the end of the day, when you're there for that human being, like we were talking about earlier, I'm not worried about what's going on in my sphere of influence. Mm-hmm. And that's how I get well. You know, I don't get well and then help people. I get well by helping people, by using my story and by being there for them. 
I didn't just wake up one day and say, you know, I forgive myself and I'm okay. And I love myself. That didn't, that, I tried that. That didn't work. How I got all those pieces was by getting out in front of people, helping mm-hmm. more people, being active, you know, just being a good human being and just saying, I'm here for you. Yeah, for sure. And and you touched on a major piece there that when I, I just want to reaffirm and, and remind everyone that when we say we, or we say are, we're not talking about the three of us. Like, sure, this is how it started sitting around a table, just like this, the three of us. But when we say are, we're talking like our collective. And it's the people that have posted their stories on that page. It's the people that are ready to answer that bell when it's rung. And there's like Damien touched on, we have half a dozen women that are ready to go and have been going out and doing that connection piece on their own. You know, when somebody reaches out, they're right there with their arms up. Like I'm ready to go and help somebody. And it's been done all week long where these groups of ladies who are so powerful in their stories and showing their vulnerability as to how they got out of their darkness, they've went and shared and connected with other people who are struggling with whatever darkness that is. And it's just, you know, the feedback we've got from those people who are going out to help the next person. And we're not talking 12 step or recovery people. We're talking just everyday people who are working their, their story. And the feedback has just been phenomenal. Like I have never felt like this before. Well, and and sometimes that's, that's even better. I mean, Obviously, we need to seek help if we have mental illness, but sometimes you just want to be listened to. And to be listened to by somebody that who can relate mm-hmm. to somebody that's been there, to somebody that that will need to cope and manage every single day. I, I think our collective journey promotes hope. And when it comes to mental illness, hope is huge. Well, I think for, for me, a huge a huge... The, the biggest plus side I see to the platform that we've chose, well, that kind of chose us, I don't know. <laughs> we don't really have a plan. We're just kind of fumbling forward. And, um, but the, the, with the biggest piece that I see is, you know, I know what it took for me to get to a point that I was willing to walk into my first meeting. And that was, I burnt my life to the ground before I was in a position that I thought I could reach out for help. So hopefully with this platform, you know, maybe, maybe some people can reach out without, without having to get that far down, right? Uh, if they can start recognizing the trajectory of their lives based on other people's stories and reach out before they burnt their life to the ground and know that there's that support out there for them. Like you don't, <laughs> you don't need to go to the route that the three of us did. Like you, you don't need to get to the point you're ready to put a bullet in your head. And that's the other thing I've noticed about our, our collective journey. You, you don't have a set of rules promoting, if you want to get better, you need to follow this. You need to do this. You need to do that. There's none of that. We, we just want you to, to talk. Absolutely. Start you a know, conversation. Yeah, you nailed it, Poncho. Is, you know, there isn't a cookie cutter fix to every problem out there. And every story is going to be unique. Everybody's experience, even though our common thread in the three of us sitting here today you know, we finish each other's sentences. We all kind of know that feeling of despair and darkness that we went to. Our stories are different, but the feelings that came with where we ended up are the same. And that's the piece, you know, there isn't a, a, a cookie cutter fix for all of this stuff, right? But, and that's another piece that we're working on too, is we're not going to be the end all be all. We're not here to say, you know what? Don't worry about going to professionals. We're going to fix this. You know, we want to be a conduit for somebody to get to where they need to be. And if that's the shared experience piece of where we can connect with them and, and let them know it's okay to, to feel these feelings and you're not alone in this, when you're ready to access um, AHS or SARC or one of these facilities that are doing a hell of a job in this community already, but when you're ready to access those, we'll walk through the door with you if you want. One of our members from OCJ will walk through the door with you and that's the biggest piece is we're not here to say we're going to fix this. You know, we have no Superman capes. We have no ego in this and we're just here to help. And we're not here to point fingers at agencies and say, you know what you're doing wrong. Everybody's doing the best they can with what they have right now. And we're just adding on to that. So when we started this earlier this evening and we've barely touched on the surface and speaking with the three of you, I, I have more questions than ever that I want to discuss I want to save that for our next podcast, if that's okay. And I would like to begin the process of, of wrapping this up. If, if I learned anything of, about our collective journey, if I could sum it up, 
I wrote, and, and, and please let me know if I'm close or if I'm warm or if I'm cold. Our collective journey, it's, it's a movement of awareness and sharing of enlightenment and empowerment. Would that be a, a good way of, of defining what our collective journey is? Yeah, I think, I think you nailed it. I think one of the things that we've discussed a lot is maybe a little less on the awareness piece and more on the action piece. There's a lot of awareness out there and everybody's, you know, that's got a piece in this community is prevention and awareness. Um, there's a lot of agencies that are doing that well. We're trying to take it to the next stage, like what action is going to be done after that. And um, for us, you know, that's this piece here is what we're doing today is giving that person who's out there struggling in silence or suffering in silence, opening that door and say, it's okay to reach out. We're going to be here. Somebody, one of us, somebody from our collective journey will be there for you. Ryan Oscar. Thank you. Rick, any uh, last hunks of advice? What are those called? Those the Chicago cuffs, by the way, the tattoos, is that what the, where they end? Is that what they call those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You I got, I got to be able to put a shirt on and look like yeah. a businessman. Yeah, yeah, look respectable. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you work it out for <laughs> busting your balls, man. <laughs> All good, man. No, uh, I think, I think for me the biggest piece, right? Like I, I keep coming back to is when I was in my darkest spot. You know, I wouldn't have identified as somebody suffering from alcoholism. I wouldn't have identified as somebody suffering from drug addiction. I wouldn't have identified as anybody with any kind of mental health issues at all. I was just a guy that really liked to party and was a little more fucked up than the other guy. Right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it wasn't until I heard a story that I could relate to. And then at the end of his story, he went and, and I'm an alcoholic that I went, Oh shit. If I'm all of those things and that's what he is, maybe that's what I am. And then when that was coupled with a message of, and here's what I did to get out of it. All of a sudden, this unbearable weight, there was hope that there was maybe a solution. And, and I think that's the message that we're trying to give is you're not alone. We, we're here to help. And somebody's walking. I mean, shit, if there's a name for it, it's because somebody's been there. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the big thing. <laughs> yeah. So if uh, nobody's, nobody's that far gone, nobody's that messed up, nobody's that alone that you, like, fuck, if, if us three can get our shit together, <laughs> there's hope for anybody. Absolutely. Damien? Yeah, I, th- I think final thoughts. Yeah, I think our name says it all. The the our collective journey. This is this is about everybody, you know. And and together we are strong as we walk down this road of life. And you know, I never got the template on how to live life as a human being when I turned eighteen. I had to go through a lot of pain and suffering to figure out how a human being was supposed to live. And and today to have the uh, the honor. <laughs> to, you know, guide other people on their journeys is a privilege. Um, I'm so grateful that I wasn't alone. I'm so grateful that somebody showed me how to live life to its fullest, how to thrive and not exist. And if you're out there and you're listening and any of this resonates and you're just feeling in your heart that you're alone and that you're different and nobody would understand, there is somebody out there that will and it takes a lot of courage to, you know, to reach out, but we will be there for you, you know, because I have the life of my dreams because of somebody being of service to me. And, and I want to keep it. And the way I keep it is by helping, right? I, I'm sitting in a room with some of the most courageous men I've, I've ever met. And so it's, I'm humbled to have been speaking with you here tonight. And I know we're going to carry this forward as uh, the week's progress and, if you have mental illness, if you don't, if you know somebody that does, and we all do, I, I mean, even if you're just having a bad fucking day and you want to get something off your chest, that's what our collective journey is all about. I strongly encourage you to please uh, check it out on Facebook. And again, as I reiterated, I have so many more questions for you now than I ever have before, and I'm really excited to explore this. Uh, in the future. My name is Poncho. I'm going to see if I can't get this right. The Plugged In Podcast Network. Is that right, Dave? All right. We got the, we got the nod. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. From Darkness to Life is an Our Collective Journey podcast. These are the true stories of struggles and triumphs against addiction and mental health challenges. If these stories resonate with you and you or someone you love need help and don't know where to turn, 
Rick, Ryan, and Damien are here for you. Contact Our Collective Journey on Facebook at Our Collective Journey or on the web at ourcollectivejourney.ca. Hosted by Poncho Parker. Produced by Rob Pape. Engineered, edited, and directed by Dave Cruikshank. From Darkness to Life is a plugged-in media network exclusive. Check out this and our other great podcasts at pymedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.